the Founders Live podcast tells unique and inspiring stories of entrepreneurship from all over the world. Be sure to join thousands of entrepreneurs on founderslive.com. Now, quick word from our sponsors before we get started. Hey everyone, it's Nick. The world tells us there's not enough pie to go around. So what? We'll just make a bigger pie. Our new partner, Women in Cloud, has taken action with global leaders and policymakers to help women entrepreneurs create a billion dollars in economic access by 2030. The joint partnership between Founders Live and Women in Cloud is part of the global expansion work to create a billion or more dollars in economic access for women entrepreneurs. As a part of this partnership, we will join forces to provide incredible joint community access to education and advisors in helping them build successful enterprise-ready companies. In addition, both of the communities are invited to be a part of the UN delegation and collectively address UN Sustainable Development Goal Number 5 by 2030. Learn more at womenincloud.com. Welcome to the next episode of the Founders Live podcast, where we tell unique and inspiring stories of entrepreneurship from all over the world. Today, I am excited for my next guest, Amber Christian, and she is from Minneapolis, Minnesota, and she is the founder of Wonderly Software Solutions. Amber, how are you doing today? I am doing fantastic, and welcome to the audience as well. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. And Happy New Year. Uh, we are speaking on, uh, this will be the 3rd of January, so just kind of cracking into the new year. How are you doing thus far? I'm doing pretty well. Coming off a little jet lag, just came back from Asia over the holidays. We were in Singapore, Indonesia, and Taiwan, just oh. learning and studying more. And so I'm just getting back into the swing of things and trying to adjust from a 14-hour time difference. <laughs> My gosh, that must have been great. I, that was, interestingly enough, um, you know, we, we were talking earlier before we uh, went on live here. Um, I have been on this, uh, this tour and traveling to Founders Life Cities. And actually, when I set out, so a year ago, I actually left Seattle mm -hmm. and set out on this journey that ended up being, you know, 60,000 miles in one year which was crazy and amazing. Um, but I had initially set out to go to Southeast Asia and mm -hmm. you know Singap Singapore and the area that you just mentioned. Um, I shifted based on some scheduling things uh, around Founders Live and I didn't end up going that direction. Um, I hit uh, Africa, like basically I hit London, Africa and South America. And so um, I guess briefly describe your experience down there. Um, I'm definitely curious, and then we'll, we'll jump into some of the things that you're working on. Absolutely. So each year, my husband and I, around the holidays, go on, we've decided to rebrand them and call them a learning experience, because vacations may be a strong word when you go into a culture that you don't have experience with, right? Mm -hmm. So there's, there's a lot you're learning. It's a little bit like a fire hose. But for me, it was really interesting because I wanted to understand more about what they call the Asian tigers and some of those economies and how were they built and what did that actually look like on the ground? 
and I was trying to see what kind of lessons were there for me building a company. So for me, it was really a research trip. Um, a year ago, I actually went to Hong Kong and Thailand, and so did another one of these types of trips as well. And I thought it was really fascinating to understand the history of the countries and how they had actually built up some of their economies. So for me, it was a great experience in just really learning uh, different perspectives and different ways of doing things. I, I love that because that's, you know, in a slightly different way, that's what I, that's what I did, you know, even um, just this last year, um, I set out to really see and experience and meet uh, the people around Founders Live, not only our city leaders, but, you know, founders like yourself. And not, not just in the United States, but in uh, other countries of the world. And for me, it was also a learning journey, as well as some other things. But I, I think the insight that I want to pull out here into to the listeners is, uh, and I said this literally yesterday to one of my coaches, I said, the the realization that sitting in Seattle, building something that was spreading around the world, I realized that the number one best thing for me as the leader to do is to get out of this, my city, get out of my comfort zone and go learn about these people's lives and, you know, these cities, economies and businesses. Mm -hmm. Because it, it is absolutely the best thing for you as a founder and entrepreneur to do is to get into a different culture, different environment, and really understand how life and businesses ran in those environments, because it makes you such a better, not only human being, of course, that's the first thing, but a business, <laughs> a business owner and, and really just a world citizen to understand what other people go through and how to add value to their life. And, and Absolutely. Do, do you sense that you're doing the same thing? I'm, I am definitely doing the same thing. So prior to founding Wonderly Software Solutions, I was an SAP implementation consultant for many years. And I'd done implementations on all six continents. I used to like to joke if anyone had, had an Antarctica implementation for me, I was interested. Never did get <laughs> never did get to do Antarctica. But the practicality of what you learn by being in the ground in other cultures is extremely insightful and really valuable and it helps you understand just different ways of doing things in nuance that goes to your strategies and i learned that in that world and so i've continued doing that even as i've become a founder and started building software as well there's so much to be gained from physically going to some of these places because it it really helps you get, as you said, it helps you get out of your bubble. It helps you see the world with a different lens because sometimes when we're focused here, we can get focused on some kind of weird things until we get out and we see a much bigger world or a different way of solving problems that we may not have never considered before. It may even give you insights on new markets or new twists on your product as well. It's exactly. Super, yeah. super important. Like for, for what you're doing and trying to spread something around the world, you have to. You there's have to. there's no other way. I mean, you have to understand, you know, how might people interact with an audience differently in Southeast Asia than they might in the United States? How is it the same? How is it different? Maybe your events have to be structured a little bit different in that part of the world to address whatever the cultural norms are. And I think being 
thoughtful and a world citizen is a great place for us to come from because there's a whole lot of different ways of doing things around the rest. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, 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 there's so many questions I have for you on this, but, um, <laughs> you know, like for instance, and not to say that this was a hundred percent shocker to me, but, um, I get down into Argentina and oh, by the way, you know, they pretty much speak Spanish the entire time. And, you know, actually not a lot of people, um, speak English very well. And so right. when I was at, when I was at our events, I mean, they were all in Spanish and I don't speak Spanish uh, very much at all. Un poquito, you know? And yep. so it was difficult. I mean, th there's no other way around it. It was actually pretty challenging to be down there, uh, to try to live uh, a life, to get around, to order food. Um, and then being at, being at our event, it was all in Spanish. And so I really didn't know exactly, I didn't know what they were saying, but I could infer uh, quite a bit, uh, and there was a translator at, at some of them, but man, it was like, um, so when you were in just this last trip, um, do they speak English much, or was it literally a different language? It's a very mixed bag. So in Singapore's history, I think about 50 years ago or so, because they had our cultural melting pot and they have several different um, ethnicities and Malay, Chinese, etc. What the government did and basically demanded years ago is that fine, we're all going to learn English as well, even though none of those groups came as native English speakers. So instead of saying one group wins, which is so often what we do, they said, no, we're all going to do something different. And that to me was fascinating. So in Singapore, they're fluent. I, it was no issue whatsoever. You go everywhere, mm -hmm. you order in English. It was just, just no issue at all. It, in Indonesia, we actually had a driver that took us around. We were there just for a day trip. And so we didn't want to deal with driving. And they are trying to rent a car and figure out what we're going. So we had a driver take us around. And he was very fluent in English as well. But it was a mixed bag in Indonesia and not as much from what, what he was telling us. And then in Taiwan, they do speak English as, as well, but not as much, more in the bigger cities. And so we actually had a guide um, go with us. Because one of the things we did know about Taiwan is if you look overall as a percentage of the people that come to visit Taiwan, Americans are really small percentage and mm. of their overall tourists something like 40 plus percent are coming from you know China Hong Kong Macau etc so Americans was a couple percent in it and if you add in business it goes up a little bit but we're we're not as high on the list and so there it's it's just not quite as deep in the fluency but you can certainly find English speakers we had a guide though because we were touring the whole country i love to get out and see the countryside and really see in not just the major cities but what does the country look like and so because we were doing that we had a guide that took us around and to the different areas to be able to explain and help us understand a lot of the nuances to it interesting yeah yeah i'm excited to head down that direction at some point um either this year or next year so um, yeah, thank you for that. Um, but let's let's dive in a little bit more to um, what you're building and you know Wonderly Software Solutions. Absolutely. So Wonderly is our parent company, and I I in mind will build several products over time. Our first product is called Bellasina, and this is what I was pitching at the Founders Live event. And right. what Bella is, is she is a unified calendar, to-do list, and meeting management application. 
So if you think of particularly around your meetings, we're really trying to make them more efficient or i.e. suck less um, for meetings. That's really what we're after as the core of our product. In order to do that, we actually had to address overall productivity, managing your to-do list, managing your calendar, et cetera. And so that's what Bella is. And she grew, I like to call myself wear a girl, which is it's like, yeah, well, hey, I envisioned it. So she gets to be and her name's <laughs> Bella. We call her Bella affectionately, right? So people get very confused sometimes. They're like, who is this Bella? I'm like, well, Bella's my software. They're like, oh, it's not a person? <laughs> no, no, Bella's not a person. <laughs> Although she has a personality. We're building that into the product over time. Well. Exactly. <laughs> and, but really, this grew out of, as I talked about in my prior life, I was an implementation consultant. And so I was supporting several different Fortune 500s. And so anybody that's done a lot of consulting work and worked with multiple clients, you're in a lot of meetings, you're tracking a lot of deadlines, and boy, it all gets really muddled really fast. And business owners experience this too, right? About, wait, what, where did that follow-up happen out of that meeting? And really just coming out of having to manage across all of that. And then I'd sit in meetings where you'd ask yourself sometimes, I'd like the hour of my life back, right? You're like, why did we have this as a meeting? We didn't need this. Or half the people didn't show up that were supposed to be there. Well, they didn't realize they needed to be there because there weren't decent agendas. There wasn't good follow-ups around things. And really realizing all these challenges we were having around meetings, and it's literally costing us billions of dollars in our economy due to these inefficient meetings. And so out of the genesis of that problem was, can we make this better? And how can we make this better? And so that's actually where we started and what we're building into our product, Bellasina. Interesting. And dive in a little bit more to, you know, I mean, there's, you know, there's on the base level, there's like Google Calendar and there's, there's iCal and, you know, those are the basic calendar apps. And, you know, look, I'm, you're talking to someone that um, I live and die for a good reason. I live and die by my calendar and I structure yes. it. I am the one that works it. And, you know, yep. I basically have it notify me when it's changed things to do in the day and the meetings and all that stuff. Um, but how are, how are you built? what's the experience above and beyond the basic calendar experience, you know, that we are probably all normally used to. Right. And so in a basic calendar experience, and so Google Calendar or Office 365, we integrate with both of those. So think of Bella as sitting on top of them. So the data that comes from those calendars, we can see that in Bella as well. But the additional part that we bring is a much more user-friendly way for managing your to-do list and integrating it with your calendar. So one of the common complaints that we hear from, from a lot of people is, you know, my to-do list has to be completely separate from my calendar, or they're attempting to use some of the to-do lists that integrate within these products and it's not working well for them. It's not visual enough. It doesn't, it's just not integrating well. It was a really common theme we had. So what we did is we really put the to-do list and the calendar side by side so that you have both what's already on my calendar versus what I'm proactively scheduling and managing. The other thing that we did with that that kind of adds to that calendar because we see the to-do list side by side is we wanted it to be a lot more visual because most to-do lists are simply a list. And a common, a common refrain that we heard from founders and people that we interviewed was not everything on the to-do list is created equal. 
some things are going to take me a half hour. Some things are going to take me four hours. And the way that traditionally a lot of these applications actually manage things is they treat them the same. They're just one line item. What we did is they're visual in Bella. And so something that's 30 minutes looks is shorter on our to-do list than something that's four hours. So all of a sudden we started making those much more visual because people like to get a picture of their time. So that's where we're a little different than the traditional calendar. If you're actually dragging and blocking out time on your calendar, that's fine. Some people do that. But what we're able to do is integrate the to-do list in the calendar, let you mark things off so you know if you did them or not as well. Uh -huh. That's the other key is, you know, for a lot of people who say, well, that's fine. I just block time on my calendar. Well, do you, do, do you get to all those tasks each day? No. Well, how do you know which ones you didn't do? Well, I don't. Well, you do with Bella, because when we drag them in, you actually mark them off on the calendar or to-do list. So you always get one representation of time. It's synced with the calendar, but you know what you did and didn't do, because maybe you have to move it around or some other thing interrupted it. So I would say the way that we display time is a little different. It's still in calendar format, but it's a lot more actionable on our calendar. That's great. Uh, I really, I really like that because it is actionable and you know I do think it's interesting you know personality wise some people are way more attracted to this sort of um, you know operations in their in their life and some people aren't but you, you're definitely talking to someone that um, like I said I mean it's like I, I, I block calendar I guess that that would be the term um, yep. mm -hmm. you know I set um, you know and I had just done this because quarterly I go through priorities and things that I want to, we want to focus on for the business. And then, and then kind of that final step is putting it into your weekly calendar. And, you right. know, essentially if things aren't on your, you know, and I actually don't use a to-do list, you know, statement, but for me, it's, mm -hmm. if it's not in your daily function and on your calendar, then it's probably not a priority and it's not going to be completed. I mean, good, good luck trying to complete it if it's not on your like calendar that has your daily you know schedule basically and so for me i block it out and i do like um block uh topics you know so for me mm -hmm. and the focuses that i want to accomplish not only as the ceo of founders live but um as my entrepreneurial journey you know like i have these focuses and priorities on a quarterly basis that turn into monthly you know monthly goals and milestones and then in the end it's on my weekly uh you know, weekly calendar. And I set these things to repeat, you know, daily or weekly and yep. I block it, you know, half an hour, hour, two hours. And it's really the, essentially the, the, the title or the focus of, you know, whether it's like partnership outreach or, you know, expansion for cities, um, you know, meetings of any sort or even just internal work. And so then I have those blocks repeat. And then I have them all notify me. It says notify me at the time. And, and so I'm, I'm kind of that like Pavlov dog, you know, where it's like, and I like, yes. this, like you know, <laughs> the thing is that works for me. And, right. um, but I, there are things I desire actually above and beyond. I think you pointed out one of them, which is the ability to like cross off and, and the ability to see like some sort of uh, contact or I guess, context on, did you accomplish that or not? And if not, you know, I would desire like some intelligence on if I could like 
push and hold and some options come up, it's either cross off complete, um, move, move to another time or day. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe even, um, I think a visual importance would be interesting. So like, yes. is it red, red, green, yellow? Is it a different type of thing? But it's like, there are certain things that are nice to have get done. There are certain things that are like, like this is a hundred percent, you got to get it done today. There's time, a timestamp to it, those sort of things. So mm -hmm. I would desire that. And so I'm definitely interested in, in what you're building. Yeah, it's and, and as you said, you know, how do you design software that works for for multiple people, right? And what color schemes do you choose? And how do you visually differentiate? Because one key around the time blocking and, and people that are doing that on calendars and and calendars are evolving, right? So they're always changing a little bit. And so the moment I say this, I'm sure they'll change kind of how they how I said something because this is kind of how it works. Um, but one of the keys when we were first thinking about this is we really wanted it to be more visual. Like, how did you know something was a meeting versus a to-do that's on your calendar? Yeah. Because they're different in helping people decide and make decisions around them. Often you can bump to-dos, but you might not be able to bump meetings and, and giving them one picture of their time. So we spent a lot of time and continue to spend a lot of time working with UX designers really around saying, how do we make it actionable at a glance? And the color coding you're alluding to, something we're building in, we don't have it yet, but that has been a real clarity that's come up and in the market of really saying, we want to do exactly what you're talking about. Maybe I want to color code things red, yellow, green, because I do it based on importance. Maybe I do it based on what kind of project it is. We've had some people that say, well, I want, I want to have my personal tasks as well as my work tasks, and I want those to be different colors. And so everybody has a little different system in it. And so we're really trying to look at, have a lot of conversations with people, but how do you actually manage that? Because it turns out there's quite a myriad of ways <laughs> that people do it. Mm -hmm. um, I, just because we don't have a ton of time, I definitely wanted to kind of swing into your, the experience of not only launching uh, this um, Wonderly, as well as like, you know, how did you find your co-founders? That's all a big question for a lot of founders is, you know, how did you find your team? You know, how did this all come together early on? Yep. So how, how I founded my team. So I am the sole founder, so I don't have co-founders. I went a very different path. And you know, most people look at me and like, you have to have a co-founder. I didn't. I chose not well, to. Just right? so, that's a tougher, just, it's a tougher road. <laughs> yeah, just so you know, I'm in the same boat, which I I think it, you know, look, I think in terms of co-founders, it's really just circumstantial and, and it's a yes. situation. And for, yes. for me, it just happened and I'm excited to be the only founder, but there's times where it really is the best option to form with two or three people. So, you know, anyone listening, like it's totally circumstantial. So don't think that there's one way better than the other. And I appreciate that you bring the nuance to that because so often early on in the journey, I would hear you have to have a co-founder and I'll be honest. Hey, I'm a female in technology. So you have to have a male co-founder. <laughs> like, excuse me. I've been in technology for 20 years. No, exactly. <laughs> I really don't. Um, so for me, it was it was circumstantial because I'd been in technology for 20 years. I had a project management background, and I actually decided not to write the code. And that I actually hired to have the code written for it. And so I actually have a CTO on, and he writes uh, all the code at this point in time. I also worked with a contract firms as well. 
but I knew so much of what I was trying to build, but my pacing was also different. So bringing up this whole, the, this whole context around circumstances, how fast do you want to build? Yeah, maybe you need co-founders because you're trying to build faster and get to, into the market super fast. Well, I was trying to spend more time talking with customers and I was using human-centered design processes to actually build Bella. So it wasn't one of those situations where I had to rush to the market because I was trying to beat someone else. And that happens with a lot of founders, like, oh, there's a bunch of us and we're in a horse race, right? To, you know, to get to the market first. So I, I appreciate the nuance around it really is about your context. It Sometimes you can't find co-founders. You might be geographically located in a place where you're just not gonna find them. That also happens to people because of what, what the type of business is that you're building in a particular city. Maybe you look nothing like the traditional businesses um, that are typically built. For example, in Minneapolis, um, most of our startups are B2B startups. We are just really well known for building B2B. And B2C, it's a much smaller pool if you were, were looking for people that are doing B2C. So it just really is different, I mean, depending on what you're thinking of. So I decided to go that route myself. I'm in Be the Soul founder of the company. And the way that I actually found my CTO, I knew him from my previous industry. He came from the SAP industry, same as me. So I worked from my existing network and to find some of the initial people that I worked with. And, and a lot of the rest of it came actually from my network of people that I already knew and then their networks subsequently. So that was mm -hmm. the key piece for how did I find that initial set of people. And if you're, you know, if you're a brand new founder, you should be out boots on the ground at as many different types of events as you can be at just simply meeting people to figure out who the connectors in your community are. Because if you find the connectors, they often can help you with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, obviously I say the same thing, you know, you should, you should definitely be at Founders Live events and or others, obviously. Mm -hmm. But um, yep. yeah, I, I, you know, look, I, I think it's really, you know, I don't know if it's counterintuitive a little bit, but you know, when, when you have, I hear this a lot where founders, maybe they're sole founders or there's someone that has, they have this idea, you know, they want to build it. They are not maybe knowing the next direction. Maybe they're not as technical. Uh, so they're looking for a technical or a developer to build it. And they sit there and say, what do I do? Well, they got to do exactly what you just said, which is get around other people get around the you know well let's be logical here if you're looking for a developer you should probably go to the things and the places and the events that they are gathering because you're yes. your your percentage chance of connecting with someone communicating with them maybe booking a meeting is very high if you're going to an event that more engineers and developers are attending and mm -hmm. so when you when you think about that you know it's just yeah it's early on going to all these events, not only just to meet people, but really to get the pulse of, of the industry to, you know, things like Founders Live, you're going to see, you know, these pitches on a monthly basis. And so you start to really feel, okay, w what stage are these companies at? How are, what pr progress have they achieved at this stage, which is early stage, you know, for Founders Live, um, mm -hmm. you know, I want to go ask those presenters, like, what are the two or three things they feel that they accomplished to get to this level? 
Um, right. What did they need, right? You know, like starting to do that is like, this is like gold. And, and I think sometimes people either don't feel that they have enough time or they're in, in, intimidated to go to some of these events, but I would say, no, this is exactly, you're dead on. This is exactly the things that very early in, when you have a concept or an idea, or you're like kind of really just starting this and you're looking for team members, go out to these events because that's where everyone is gathering. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And to add to, to your point, one of the things I do at an event like Founders Live is, well, first of all, you got to go talk to everybody pitching, right? And here's the question you ask them. What wouldn't you do if you had it to do all over again? Mm -hmm. Asking someone what they wouldn't do again, super <laughs> valuable because you find out things that in their eyes were a waste of time or a waste of money and how to avoid them. <laughs> so it's a, it's a counterintuitive question. People are like, often they'll say, what path did you follow? They're going to leave stuff out because first of all, it's a super, super long answer and we can't get through it. You know, mine was a two year build journey. So getting through all of the nuance to that whole journey is I can't share all of that. People's eyes roll back in their heads when they hear all that detail, right? So there's going to be nuance to that, but something that's super valuable as you're getting started and you're sort of fleshing out your idea is finding out what things maybe were a waste of your time or things that people say, oh, I obsessed about this thing, but turned out that wasn't a big deal. And here's why. You're like, oh, furiously take notes on all that stuff because it's helping you take a giant filter to there's a million different things you're trying to do as a founder, right? How do you decide which one's important? Because making sure you're aligning on those things that are important and how and why they were important. You know, someone will say, oh yeah, I have to make sure you do marketing. Okay, that's like saying, hey, you gotta make sure you boil the ocean. <laughs> Get more specific here, <laughs> right? And gives you that opportunity to ask those much more specific questions or to have someone say, oh yeah, make sure you start your marketing, I don't know, a year or whatever before you launch, whatever that is. And getting yeah. in and you just really have to start asking all those types of questions of people because you learn a tremendous amount in that process. Well, how, how would you answer your own question? What wouldn't I do again? Exactly. I, I would have announced and done pre-sales on my product sooner. I was really nervous because we, uh, a year plus ago, I had to let go of a development firm. We had to rip out and redo a lot of code in our, mm -hmm. in our platform. And I was really nervous about not knowing exactly when things were being ready or not, you know, announcing too much to the world too soon because some things had gone wrong, you know, in that, in that process. And so I waited to start marketing until I had launched. I'll tell people that's a mistake, by the way, you should be doing a lot more marketing a lot sooner. Yeah. But I did that because I had some things that went wrong and I just, I was really nervous. And so I would have started marketing a lot sooner and realized the more people I talked to, the more people like, oh yeah, of course that happened to me too. I'm like, oh, why don't people talk about this? <laughs> <laughs> um, so for me, I would have started marketing a lot sooner and a lot more communications earlier in the process. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. You know, but I'm just, I'm, I'm of the, I'm a, of the opinion that, you know, things all happen for they're supposed to happen that way. They happen for a reason and you can't, right. you can't, you can't go back and say, Oh, I should have done this. No, it's the, your path. And, and that's the exact way mm -hmm. that it was supposed to happen. So you could learn and you know, your timing is exactly perfect. 
Um, but that, that doesn't mean going forward, we can't influence what now we're going to do. But going, looking backward, there's no reason to, to be any sort of, um, you know, resentment or wishing that you should have done something different. You know, that, that's my opinion. Well, right. It's water under the bridge. I mean, you can't yeah. change. You can't change it. And and things in one context or another for you, look, it's just not going to go perfect when you go to build these things because there's people involved and it's going to be messy. And we all have our own um, limitations in terms of what we can do in different working styles. And so you just have to know that that's going to be part of the process and that it, yeah, it might set some things back or it might take a little bit longer, but you learn. You, and you learn and you grow from that experience. It could be in situations that don't work out. You learn, oh, certain work styles work for me, certain work styles don't, and that's totally fine. And as long as you're learning from that process and how do you take it forward, then it's fine. Um, but yeah, it's always, it's always hard. You always want to kick yourself. You're like, oh, I could have done this better. Oh, yeah, there's a million things we could better, right? <laughs> well, I, I always like to ask, you know, previous presenters, and then also congratulations on, on winning, you know, the Founders Live. So that's um, exciting. So good yes, job. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I guess describe your experience and then, um, and then maybe uh, a few tips on how you prepared when you knew you were going to do the 99 second pitch in front of a crowd. Mm -hmm. uh, first of all, I'll say 99 seconds is not a whole lot of time. Right. So anybody preparing, but it's perfect because it just forces you to crystallize your message. And I had one slide too many in mind, which I realized as I got into like, oh, I should have taken that slide out. <laughs> but I had far less than a lot of people did that were pitching. So I think the, the one thing I tell people, less is more. Yes. And, you know, you, you cannot have 12 slides in 99 seconds um that's hard i mean yeah i guess maybe there's some context in which it works but if there's different things to explain on every slide you just don't have that much time so you really have to pick and choose what you think those things are that are the highlights i couldn't get into actually a huge bulk of the complexity of my product i couldn't even get into that in the pitch because i had 99 seconds and you really have to decide what's going to resonate with that audience so i as i prepared for the pitch i looked at what life experiences might my audience have that i might be able to relate to because i had talked with the presenters about well who actually normally comes to this type of event and and help me understand that a little bit better to get some context. So that was one of the keys for me is just understand what is a kind of a typical life experience of the kind of people that are coming to your event and then relate your story to that. And one of the best things you can do is how are they gonna relate to your product? Like what is it that's gonna resonate? Is it, you know, it's not about functions and features, it's about that story and what they relate to in what you're building don't focus on functions and features focus on the story around it yes and just to add a little context um i would even say not only the story but now um the emotion and, and yes you know think you know touching on you know humanizing your pitch whether you, you know you you know even I mean, you have a product that is you know, somewhat it has it has relevance in people's lives, and and that's great, and and all that. Um, but in reality, it's make it's your job to go into your product and your your story and pull out the emotional 
aspects so that people, when you're pitching in the room, you get people to nod as quick as possible. They're nodding their head and saying, totally get it. I've got that problem. And yes. that is like such a huge win if in your pitch you, you can achieve that, you know, fairly quickly because now you got the audience to really be following you and I, really identifying with you and the problem. And then they're very much interested in the solution and, and what you're building. And so, you know, every story and, you know, I'm just learning this more and more, even as I build Founders Live, as I travel is everything is in an emotional human story there's absolutely but but and so whatever whatever business you're building if you can tie it into that you're going to go a long way um yeah and then you're absolutely right on the you know i think i i think even a number what i would i don't structure this specifically but i say about eight slides or less and you know if you think about like eight slides or less maybe even six slides you know so let's call it you know, if it's eight slides, it's roughly about 10 seconds a slide, right. um, you know, and, and that, that's a great place to be in, and just to understand, okay, what story am I telling? There's certain amount of slides, less text on the slides or bullet points, no bullet points, please. Um, yes. Definitely, yes. you know, just, you know, have some sort of message on each slide and, and it all kind of forms together. And so I, th- I think that that tends to be a, a great, you know, just those three or four tips really help people pre- present in a, a stronger fashion. Mm-hmm. And I would add to, to your point about the human emotion, right? So I build what a lot of people will call a productivity application. Like, oh, great, one more, right? <laughs> people say, oh, it's a, it's a crowded, messy space, right? And, and it's a to-do list and a calendar and a meeting management application. Like, okay, that's nice. But the way I open, the way I often open with it is I say, how many of you have sat in a meeting where you thought to yourself, I would like that hour of my life back? (laughs) If I didn't know my role or I got surprised, I walk into a meeting and surprise, you're supposed to present something. Well, no one told me that. So I'm unprepared, (laughs) right? right? You start tapping into the emotions around what's happening and go, oh, by the way, I have software that makes that better because we treat meetings as a process with precursor activities such as agendas and goals, i.e. what's the point of being there. We actually do live tracking to keep you on time because you're tired of those meetings running way over and having no agenda. And we track your notes and they go on your calendar. And so you start to really talk about, hey, we're just really changing how that process looks and relate it back to that emotion. So you're right. It, it is a lot about the emotions of the people that are using the particular products. You know, what's going to be the thing that makes them wake up and pay attention? Because it is a very noisy, crowded marketplace of, of yeah. products and applications. Yeah, and you know, whether we're talking about the pitch event or we're talking about just general day to day, you know, look, most people are. The question in their mind is, why should I care? Right. So, you know, I'm, I'm hearing your, I'm seeing your ad, I'm hearing your message, you're, you're pitching me, why should I care? And the moment that you, as a founder and a, a leader of your team and your business, the, the quicker you can touch into whatever human emotion that, that, you know, that you're building around that easily, like, you know, is, a, is apparent to that person that they maybe struggle with that or they identify with that feeling like you said 
I mean, how, every single day, it's like, geez, if I could have that hour back, that would be great. And, and so <laughs> you, you tied into, you know, just essentially people are busy, people are over, they're stressed and they're over scheduled and they don't want their time wasted. And right. so um, you've already identified that. So yeah, I think if, you know, as a founder, it's, it's your job to understand not only what you're building, but what is the deep rooted problem and emotion that this person, this human being is struggling with. And if right. you can do that, and you, then you have a, a solution that they're willing to pay for, you're in a good place. Exactly, agree. And with that, um, we are, oh, we're running out of time. I wish we had more. Um, Amber, this has been great. Um, how, how can people get in touch with you, find, more about, find out more about your product or yourself? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, best way to find me is on LinkedIn. If you can just search for Amber Christian, you'll find me on LinkedIn. To find out more about Bella, you can go to meetbellacina.com and we'll, we can share all sorts of more details with your audience, but definitely reach out to me if folks have questions or even want to commiserate about their meetings. It's always fun Great. for me to use them as research topics. How about that? Well, uh, Amber, this has been so fun. Um, you know, great to connect with you and, um, you know, hear your story. You're obviously, um, you're, you're excited about what you're building and I'm excited too, because I think that this is, um, this is a problem that won't get, well, how do I say this? This is a problem that just keeps getting bigger in people's lives. And so we need better software solutions for it. Absolutely. So thank you for, thank you for doing that. And, uh, thank everyone. Thank you for listening and, uh, feel free to, you know, share this out. Um, you know, give us a good rating if you would like on any of the listening platforms that you are listening on and uh, keep, keep paying attention. We uh, pretty much launched or we release a, a new episode every week. So keep listening and thank you so much. Until next time, uh, keep rocking.